Okay, let's read the Bible tomorrow, but today let's finish the rest of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 5 to verse 12. So are you ready? Are you ready to listen to the sermon? And so how grateful am I that even though I say things like this, you do not call me crazy. If I went to a different church, they would all say, you're crazy. You are the only ones who recognize this current of the spiritual flow. And what church would believe us when we say that we prayed and prophesied for the past six presidents? Who would believe that we spent more than three million dollars in missionary funds in this small of a church? Right, that this small church could minister to all over the world. I remember prophesying when I first established this church that we will become a nation and in one generation we have become a nation we have become a nation and then also uh, Pastor Fung Pastor Fung we need to pray for him as he's going through Central America he's going throughout Central America and, and spreading the anointing of the word throughout Central America and so please pray for him uh, they say that he lost everything except for his computer that has my sermons on it so anyways we're entering into this prophetic time amen for the past 25 years God has been preparing us especially in this being of the church the existence of the church this being of the church we are one family we are in one flow, one purpose, one mind, one spirit, one heart, one love. Amen? As Paul claimed, we are all one. And so I'm filled with inspiration. Amen? Is that inspiration filling you up that we are one member, we are members of one body? Yes. And it took 25 it took 25 years for us to be proud of this Zoom ministry but in Central America it only in two years in only two years already Pastor Francisco they're surrounding around him gathering around him and being proud of this Zoom ministry and already uh, dedicating themselves to this truth and they are all we are all remnants together amen and so, and so of course we must love Zoe ministry all over the world but especially Central America Amen Amen we love Central America Amen oh, Eduardo is here maybe that's why I'm saying this to, to Eddie tell your father that I said this okay that we love you especially <laughs> okay, so verse 5 to verse 11 Okay, I don't think I have anything else to say regarding the, regarding these things. But anyways, okay, uh, this Sunday will be the first Sunday of the year. And so it's a special holiday. And so let us start that ho- uh, Sunday in glory. And then next week, we will have a conference for the, for the pastor's wives of Korea. 
And so, and she's going with a really important mission. And so, please pray for her. Okay, to determine whether they will continue to go with us or not. And so, and so because she is going to do ministry, we need to uh, we need to intercede. And on the third week, we finally have blessing blessing ministry. Amen. There's going to be great blessings being proclaimed and brought forth on that week. Amen. Powerful blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. Why do I still do not want to preach? Okay, verse 5 to 12. Okay, so yesterday up to verse 4, we finally see God's restoration. And so, in all the flow of history, ultimately it will all be brought to that one point of the end. And so if you lose that goal, you will wander. If, you, if your goal is to build something on this earth, there is no meaning there. In our spirituality, in our Christianity, everything will be brought to account on that day when He returns in glory. Amen? And so that time frame must always be on your mind. That time frame must always be there. It's because you lose sight of that, that when you do well a little bit, you, you are full of yourself. And when you fail a little bit, you fall into despair. So, and so because you know where your goal is, there's no need for you to meander when you, when you fail a little bit or succeed a little bit. As, it, as Paul said in Philippians that I run forward towards the goal. I set that goal. And so if you look at that goal at all, way, all times, you would clearly see where, where you are to go. You would, there's no reason for you to do anything that doesn't lead to glory. It becomes so obvious. If you are casting your gaze to that time, then you wouldn't understand what choices you are to make today. Because you will not choose anything that does not lead to glory in that day. And so there are many reasons why I need to preach out of the eschatology, but this is the most important reason. Because remember, as I said yesterday, we live with the result in hand. And what is that result? It's glory, blessing, and victory. And so to a Christian, there should be no anxiety. There should be no uncertainty. If you are still racked with anxiety, with, with, with depression, it's because you do not believe in the conclusion that God has given you. But remember, we all have that conclusion. Amen? And so, do not doubt that conclusion. And so, no matter what the devil may try to do, it doesn't matter. Now, of course, we fight. We engage in spiritual warfare. But sometimes, there are times where I get tired. And, and I just, in my prayer, I stop and I say, either way, you're going to lose. Either way, I'm going to have the victory. And so, so who cares? And so, when... If someone holds on to this ultimate victory, they always have freedom. 
Amen. Whether suffering comes, whether trials or tribulation comes, they have freedom because ultimately they have the victory. And so when I look at your faces, I can see if you are believing in that ultimate victory or not. When you do not believe, I don't know why, but for some reason your face is always racked with fear. And you're always filled with anxiety and worries. And so, when when you are filled with this hope, there's always this peace. We don't know where it comes from, but there's this peace that's as if you're always ready, as if you're always standing at ready. That no matter the circumstances come, that you can win with that one shot to the face. Right, because God has given you that grace. And so everything, everything, whether it's Antichrist or Babylon, no matter who it may be, it's, it's all just, just a game. There's nothing that can overcome you. No matter what people may say. And so this power, this this life force is always at the ready. And where does this come from? It comes from believing 100% in the ultimate victory. And so examine yourselves, brothers. Are you filled with anxiety? Are you filled with worries? Are you filled with depression? As Christians, we should not doubt regarding this. And so this is centeredness, right? Balance. Balance. It seems as if that he's doing nothing and yet he's doing great things. But then there's people who waste energy. They, they're such busybodies and yet nothing is done. And, and then there's other people, balance, right? Who, who they seem that they're at ease, but there's great power. And, re- and then also, you don't have to move much, but you are constantly moving inside of you, right? Because, because who is the God that we believe in? We believe in Yahweh. And who is Yahweh? Yahweh is God that moves, right? He moves. He is living. Baal does not move. Baal stays still. That's security, right? That is, that is the sense of security, false security. But, but it's in Yahweh, the faith in Yahweh, the God who moves. Moves where we, where with this power, this life force that our faith is. Amen? No matter what the world may say. And look at what God has been doing in, in, the, in, in Yerban Church. During times of great hardship, the world was crying over the lack of money, and yet we were always what? We were always safe and secure. Even during the coronavirus, look at all the churches of the world. They were they were closing down because lack of funds. There was a 200, 300 uh, member church in Seoul that made about $6 million every uh, in their finances. But they lost it all as, as all these um, people stopped coming to church. And so, you know, we say that our church is 500 members, right? And we are 500 members, but how many people are actually offering? Maybe only 100. And yet, and yet we had $5 million in, 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 the fin- in, in last year's finances, right? And I'm not saying this to boast and say we're special. No, this is 
utterly normal. This is utterly normal because God reigns. And because we are a church where God reigns, this is so obvious and so clear. There's no reason to boast. Amen? I'm just simply saying what God has done. I'm not trying to boast. Honestly, we have nothing to boast. We've done nothing. Right? It's not our works. All we did was gather and cry out to God, fast a little bit, pray a little bit. That's it. Right? Have we done anything? Deacon Park, did you do anything? Did you do anything? Yeah, you went to the gym with me, right? That's it. Right? All you've done all this entire year is go to the gym with me. And we're very intimate. He is my gym mate. And so, it, and so whenever I go to the gym, I'm always waiting for him, wondering if he's going to come. Even if he shows up, I don't speak to him. And yet, and yet I feel upset when he's not there. And so anyways, uh, verses 1 through 4 is the result of that eschatology, right? That, that even now we are living in the reign of God, but when that kingdom is perfected, that is what we're heading for. And this is the vision of that. And going beyond that, because I'm an heir of God, it should be obvious for me to live for that kingdom. Amen. Because you are an heir of that kingdom. And so everything that you do right now, your studies, your, your earning of money, it's all for that kingdom. And if you lose that goal, then you, you're losing the purpose of life. Right? If you lose that goal, then you, what are you left with? The goal of trying to make a lot of money? And so you're just wandering. You are, you are lost. And so anyways, and so that's verses 1 through 4. Now from verse 5 to verse 11, God brings judgment again. And the time frame of verses 5 through 11 is, is, is during the time of Usaiah. And then from verse 12, there's more judgment towards the end times. And so when you uh, compare this with other eschatological books, you can see this time frame. You may ask, why did he divide the time, times like this? And it's just the way the prophets see these visions. And so... And so ultimately, I'm not going to explain why this interpretation is there because I did that last time I preached in Isaiah, but I'm going to describe this, this uh, prophecy. And then so in verses uh, 5 to 11 is judgment of Assyria or Babylon. And then verse 12 on, it's judgment of the eschatology of the apocalypse. And, but ultimately, judgment is the same. It's always repeated throughout history. Everything that God does when he judges wickedness, it's always very similar. And so whether it's verses 5 to 11 or verses 12 to 22, the judgment is similar. And so let's examine this. Amen. Verse 5. O house of Jacob, and, and right, he's speaking to Israel. O house of Jacob. Why does he say Jacob instead of Israel? Because right now, during this time, Israel and Judah is separate, right? And so when he says house of Jacob, he's talking to all of Israel. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And so as he's getting ready to speak judgment, the reason why Israel needs to receive this judgment is because they are the light, but they were not acting as the light. And so they cannot help but be judged. And then so from this Old Testament perspective, 
uh, going beyond the Old Testament perspective, as this New Testament saints, we are not beings who radiate light, but rather He dwells inside me. He who is light dwells inside of me. And so, no angel ever has been able to see, look upon the glory of God. Even the archangel, uh, they cannot look directly at God, but all they can do is radiate His glory. And yet, and yet, and yet, they cannot look at the light of Jesus. But we who have that essential light, and through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, through that revolution of who we are, through the dignity that God has given us, we can cast our gaze upon His face. Amen. As it says in 1 Corinthians 4:4, 4, is to look upon His face. And if you just receive this word in faith. You would see how amazing of a person you are. You are not being to radiate light or to reflect light. Everything else reflects light, right? Because who do they receive that light from? Everything in this world you see is a reflection of light, right? Because it receives the light of the sun and it reflects that. But we are the sun itself. Amen. And so, who is the source of light in you? It is the Holy Spirit. And so, as it says in 1 Corinthians, that the Holy Spirit leads you from glory to glory. Continually, as He reigns over you, He's strengthening that glorious light within you. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 4 4, that the glory of the gospel is shining within you. And then Psalms 109. What does it say? It says that your word is a lamp to my feet. It is, right? The word itself is light. And that light dwells where? It dwells inside of you. And that glory is shining from within you. And the essence of that light dwells within you. The source of that light dwells within you. Do you believe? And so as I said yesterday, when you meet with your fellow saint, what should you do? You should be, you should be, as you're meeting heart to heart, that you are fellowshipping, holy to, holiness to holy. And so look at look at the person next to you. Are you radiating that light? Are you? Are, do you feel your stomach moving, churning within you? No. As a believe. So when I first went to Israel, that's why I was so um, so racked because because I, I was thinking to the Jews, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And yet you are so unfriendly to me. So that's why I surfaced. I, I got so angry when I first went to Israel. Because think about it, the, the holy of holies dwells within me, and that glorious light shines from within me, and yet you are so unfriendly to me. Yes, the, 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 the source of that light dwells inside of you, and you are amazing being. And so Israel, 
Right now, though they may not be in that state, but Israel has seen the glory of God. Right, and they serve that glory. And so they must be light. Amen. That's why it says here they must be light. Ephesians 5:8 says that you were once in darkness, but now through the light of the Lord, you are in the light of the Lord now, and you are the light. You are the light. And so those who know that they are the light, they work hard to remove all the things that limit that light within them. It will instinctually happen. Ephesians 1.3 says what? That, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms. That all the blessings and authority that we need to live in the kingdom of heaven has been blessed within us. And when you believe this, what will happen? You're not going to pray, Lord, give to me, give to me. No, rather, you're going to pray, Lord, all the things that keep this thing from being manifest inside of me, I'm going to cut it down. And so this is how important it is what you believe in. And so God gives as much as your faith allows. And so you need to believe in your dignity. And that's what the religion has done through the great prostitute has corrupted and polluted this gospel. The Bible is about glory. It's not about heaven and hell. And so when you believe that I am light, you would think, why when I'm light, is this light not shining? And so the problem you do not think about, the reason why you don't think about this is because you do not believe you are light. And so when that light doesn't shine, you are not worried. But, but for someone like me, when I believe that I am light and the devil is not shivering in fear when he's in my presence, then I gotta, I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? And going beyond that, because I am that light, when that light meets with God, is light meeting with light. Now, of course, now of course, I am not the same as God, but light is meeting with light. Amen. And in that, uh, sorry. Uh, and so when that light meets together, it has fellowship together, right? It 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 it, it, it grows together. And so that's how important it is what you believe. I am light. I am light. Do you believe that? Right? That is what the saint is, is they are light. And so examine yourselves. Do you believe that you are light? Amen. And then so what else does it say in Ephesians? It says to because you are light to walk in that light. So, uh, and so what, where does darkness come from? It comes from absence of light. And if you are light itself, then you cannot, you cannot walk in darkness because you are light. And so if you are walking in darkness, that means what? You are not light. 
And so, as it says in verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Right? This is the fruit of light. And so, when that light shines, His fruits will be revealed, will be evident. And so goodness, God's goodness manifests. And this is evidence that you're living in light, goodness, righteousness, and truth. God's goodness. What is goodness? In all your life, seeing that that goodness is always being revealed in all things that you do in life. If you're living for yourself, for your own things, that's not goodness. And so that's one evidence that you are not living in light is that you are living, you are selfish, you are self-centered. That is proof that you do not know the light. If you know that you are light, then everything, every motivation for your life is God-centered. What pleases God? What does God want right now? That is your motivation in every moment. If not, then the opposite is, what do I want? What will please me? What what can I have more? It's always self-centered. And so what is the wickedness defined in the Bible in Habakkuk? The one who lives for himself. And that's why there are so, and so this shows that there are so many wicked men in the church. And what, and this, their God, they call him God, but their God is Baal. If you are living for yourself, you are not serving God, you are serving yourself. You are serving idol of Baal, just simply calling him God. And so really, think about how many churches in this world is God truly there. There are many signs that say they are the church of God, but really, It's all bow. That's the scary thing. So listen carefully, my brothers. Am I truly living in light? And so first, the fruit is light, or is goodness, and second is right. This is being acknowledged by God. And so it's not because I want it or because I think people will approve it, but does God approve of it? And so even if other people curse you, even if other people say they, they will kill you, it doesn't matter. And that's how I lived for the past 34 years. No matter what people would say, I'm a heretic or I, I don't know what I'm talking about whatever if God says I'm right then, then I'm satisfied no matter what they would say I would say just bark continue barking dog because I'm going to go my way and so if you do not live by the light you will not be able to do so you're going to be so concerned about what other people think of you of what other people said of you If you don't live by light, that's what's going to happen. So the important thing is, does God approve of you? Does God approve of you? That if I were to stand before him today, how will I be received? (laughs) 
And so, when pastors become afflicted by religion, they're so worried about popularity. They're so worried about about their reputation. I remember one time I went to a revival, and the keynote speaker had a white suit with white shoes with white hats and so I looked at him I was innocent at that time and I was like wow that's awesome and when if I were to become a pastor I'm going to wear all white like him <laughs> no I'm just joking So with white suit, you know, he would sing this song and it looked cool to me. And so with that in mind, I wore this white sweater today. (laughs) If pastor becomes religion, they're focused on on popular... On popular... Anyways, they're worried about their popularity. And so we are, and so let us walk in the light of the Lord. And they should have been light, but they were unable to do the light. And so they had to be judged. And if we are not in the light, we cannot help but have fellowship with darkness. And when that darkness controls over us, rules over us, that darkness becomes part of your character. And so like Isaiah, you, like Isaiah says, you do wickedness things. And you think that you can mix Baal with God. So as you look at the Bible, you shouldn't say, oh Israel, how could you mix Baal with God? But look at what the saints are doing today. They're trying to mix God with the world. They don't, they don't, they're simply unaware that they're serving both the world and God. And so in your faith life, so because we're speaking of light, if you're filled with light, you'll be able to see the trends of this world knowing that this is not the right way. But when you are unaware of those trends, you just automatically follow those trends. That means you are mixed and in darkness. And so if the standards of the world, the desires of the world is more, will be more heavier to you than what God is. For example, like need, needing lots of money or what happens if no one likes me? Or, or what happens if I don't know how to use the computer? So these, this is where your life will be uh, weighted. And so they are becoming syncretic. They are already in syncretism. But if you are focused on God, you're not going to care what the world wants. And going beyond that, it's going to be troublesome. It's going to be bothersome to you. You don't worry about these things. Oh, what happens if I can't do this? What happens if I miss out on that? And so when you're influenced by Babylon, 
Right, look, look at this world. After middle school, you have to go to high school no matter what. After high school, you have to go to college no matter what. Instead of seeing where God is leading you, you just follow this world. Even though you don't worry, you don't worry that you don't offer to God on Sunday, and yet you're worried about the inability to pay your taxes. Does that make sense? You're not worried when you steal from God's tithing, but you're worried that you're going to get caught uh, not tax, paying your taxes correctly. And so you're more worried about your credit score than, your, than, than what your score is before God. And so look at yourselves. Is, is, your, is the weight of God more heavier in your life than the weight of the world? Or are you mocking the things of God? And as you take this to its extreme, for a while you are going to be anxious. Like, what happens if I don't pray? Like, for example, for a time, I, I thought that I would be going destined to hell if I didn't pray every morning. And so, for a time, this burden should weigh you down. And so, moving on to verse 6. And so, we are light. Believe, amen. That the, that the source of light dwells within you, amen. If you believe this, then when darkness comes, you will be able to see it. That oh, this is darkness. This is death. And this must care, uh, happen. And you become a being that shines holiness. Amen? That is holiness. And the devil will not be able to stand before that kind of person. As it says in 1 John 5, 8, that the evil one cannot stand against you. Right? That's the essence. How can the devil touch you when you are light? When you are light, inside of you is the royal blood. How dare the devil try to touch you? And yet, I'm sorry to say, some of you, the devil's not only touching you, but he's embracing you, he is massaging you. There are some of you like that. This should not be. You should not let that stand. How dare he? How dare he try to touch me act like however he wants? How can he embrace me like that? And yet there are many of you who have that demon mixed with you. So where is your pride? Don't live with that devil like that. The dignity that Jesus Christ has given us through his sacrifice. How dare this defeated devil try to dare touch me? And so now, we must treat this dignity more precious than my life. And that when these things are broken, that I should be upset. I should not let it stand. Don't stand for it. This is the identity you must have, the, the confidence, uh, the self-esteem that you must have. 
And so for you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east. And because they fail to be light, what happens? The things of the east infiltrate into, into Israel. So things like Baal and, and prosperity. And especially it's talking about Syria, the, 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 the abundant, the idolatry of abundance and prosperity in Syria. And so because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. And so he's talking about all the characteristics of the Gentiles around Israel. They're receiving the fortune tellers like Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. And so they be, they compromise with the world. And so remember, idolatry is worldliness. Worldliness. The world is idolatry. Right? It's all about money, prosperity, uh, success in this world. Israel finds victory through being pure and sanctified. But as they lose that light, they are filled with darkness and all the things of that darkness fills them up. And so if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, so look, are you tired? Why are none of you saying amen? Okay, because of our powerful prayer earlier, you must be tired, amen? But let the heavens open up. Let the heavens open up. And the problem right now is that I don't want to preach. There are times where that happens, right? I mean, I've got to be honest. Because there's such powerful anointing and such great presence. And really, on days like this, I don't, I, I don't want to preach. I'm sorry. There is this wickedness that comes over me. But let's once again, let that apostolic anointing flow. Amen? It's not my fault. It was the prophets. The prophets, as, as they were pouring that, that anointing, I, 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 and these prophets are filling that anointing and, and and, and, and so, as an apostle, I, I'm, I feel uncomfortable. But anyways, I should preach. Amen? Because, I mean, it is New Year's conference, and so we've got to at least get to chapter 5. Amen? And so let's focus. Let's focus. And so because they lose their identity as light, automatically darkness covers over them. They participate in fortune telling. And so, and so when churches like this prophesy, what are they doing? They're fortune telling. And there's some of you who want me to fortune tell for you. And so one sister came to me today asking me for fortune telling. Right? And, I, and if you want me to uh, read your fortune, you got to bring an uh, envelope of blessing. <laughs> But see, this is all influence of the world. As children of God, Israel. They should not have direct relationships with anyone. Even, think for example, your relationship with me. It should not be direct between you and me. Right? What is the principle of the being of the church? Is that between me and you is what? Is the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
다 같이 놀던 일이 있어갖고 It's between you and me is what is the Spirit of God. So when I say things like this, the young adults don't laugh because they don't understand the jokes. But see, the elders, these elders, they are all the same age as me. And so, so they know what I'm talking about. They know all these jokes. 그 여자하고 이제 사랑하다가 헤어졌고 남진이 그때 이제 세상 들어와 조심해 저기 이제 베트남에 가갖고 그때 부른 노래가 너와 나사의 저바다가 없었다면 어, 이게 만날 텐데 이런 노래 했은 거예요. 어? So he's using Korean pop culture, and so it doesn't translate to English. I'm sorry. Because it's the lyrics of a song, and he's using that lyrics of the song. But anyways, and so. 나사에, and so between you and me should be what the Holy Spirit. Right? The relationship with the gospel, the relationship with the Spirit. Amen. This is what's most important. This is what God has been making within us for the past 25 years. Amen. And so if we do not have that relationship of the Spirit, of the relationship of the gospel, then everything is wrong in our relationship. It means that the world has infiltrated. And that's what we'll see in today's text. Right? That they strike hands with the children of foreigners. And so look, of course it says foreigners here, but if it's not God, then automatically they're going to look to the world. They're going to try to find the strong nation to rely on. And so this is maintenance of your faith. Are you maintaining reliance on God and God alone? For example, who's the person that's closest to me? It's my wife. I should not rely even on her. I should not rely on person. Whether it's your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, you should not directly rely on them because if you do, that will be your death and their death. And this is something that we've been doing for the past 25 years. Amen? It's about the state of having a relationship with God, where you're relying on God, where your eyes are fixed on God. That alone can we love one another. And in if but if you are directly related to to one another, then that is the same thing as striking hands with foreigners. And you are losing the almighty authority of God. And so as you live your lives, you need to continually examine your spiritual state. And there are many evidences to this. When you live for God alone, for example, it's like this. Let's say you have no money. Then, instead of relying on God, you think about what you need to do to make money, right? What you need to do, should I borrow money or should I work or something like that? When you have that response, that is wrong. And also, anxiety itself, it means you're not relying on God. You're constantly moving according to your survival instinct. This is proof that you're not relying on God alone. 
when you fix your eyes upon God, and when that darkness approaches you, that darkness cannot overcome the life force of that uh, of that light within you. And so, means you will not be anxious. And so, what does Paul say? Even if thousands were to come against me, I will fear no evil. And so this must be clear to you, brothers. If you are filled with anxiety, you are filled with depression, that is proof you are not relying on God, but you're relying on something else, whatever it may be. And through these kinds of things, you should examine yourselves, my brothers. And when you have that relationship of the gospel, of that spirit, then in that relationship with the 500 members of this church, this church will be the glorious church. It must not be a relationship of humanistic relationships. Look at the Acts. Ananias and Sapphira, they offered half of their entire wealth, and yet God put them to death. Why? Imagine if this was a humanistic thing. Right? Humanistically, you would think that, wow, they offered so much because they offered half of their entire wealth. And yet, look, it's not a humanistic relationship. And so how dare you try to deceive the Holy Spirit? And so that's why they die. This is what it means to be the church of God. Let's say that they acknowledge that. Then Peter would die and Sapphira and Ananias would die. But look, only Ananias and Sapphira died, not Peter. And so humanism is a really dangerous uh, propagation in the church. Humanism is killing not only yourself, but the person. And this is something that I'm very clear in, and yet many times I make mistakes. And so I'm always cautious. And so I need to be stronger on this. And so help me to be more firm. Because when we compromise with these things, there's great danger. So verse 7, their land is filled with silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasures. And so during Uzziah's time, Southern Judah was filled with riches. And instead of expanding glories of the kingdom of God, rather they became more contaminated with prosperity, uh, prosperity cults. Uh, and th- their land is filled with horses and there's no end to their chariots, right? During that time, they were storing up weapons thinking that, that those weapons would keep them safe. And so examine yourselves. Are you relying on something apart from God? For example, uh, the knowledge that you have or a skill that you may have or a person that may be on your side. And so if you are self-centered, if you are living for yourself, you cannot help but rely on something apart from God. Because if you are living for yourself, you will rely on the information that you have. Instead of the Word of God, you will rely on information and knowledge. And what is the perfection of the kingdom of God? The perfection of the kingdom of God 
It's not just simply God's reign being in that place, but also within me. What is the reign of God? Is I'm not relying on anything else except for God. That means your confession should be God alone. And when you have that confession, you are confident and bold. That as long as I have God, there is no problem. All I need is God. If that does not rise up inside of you, then this slave mentality of Babylon will rise up inside of you. So verse 8, their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. And so silver and gold, if they're filled with silver and gold, they should have used it for the kingdom of God. But rather than that, they, they make idols to continue to deify their own desires. And so if I have a blessing from God, and so if I receive the blessing of God and I try to store it for myself, I try to hoard it, that is the problem. We should not hoard it. Children of God, you must be ashamed of saving for yourself. You need to continually give because God will allow you to enjoy anything, but do not save for yourself. Because when you store for yourself, you need to understand that someone else is going hungry. And so it's because we've been continually sending out over over the world. That's why we are doing this ministry. That's why God opens up this ministry to the world. If we were to store it up for ourselves, someone would be going hungry out in the world. And we live by the early and latter rains. We do not live by the storehouse of our barns. If you store up in your barns, they will rot. Look at numbers. God is effective and powerful. How great would it be if we could save up manna for a week, right? How great would that be? But that's not what God does. God always says, take what you need for your daily needs. Why? Because that's the spiritual order of things. We are not beings to live by storing up. No, we are satisfied with our daily bread. And God provides for our daily needs. It's not about storing up for our own selves. Amen? And then it's also unbelief when you are worried about your lack of savings. Right, many people start savings accounts for uh, for college tuition for a child that was just born. I'm sorry to say that child probably won't even end up in college. That's all unbelief. It's all unbelief. Why? When that? Why? Might as well get ready for his wedding then. Well, the moment he's born. Okay, verse 9. So man is humbled and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. And so even to Isaiah's eyes, Israel is wicked. 
That they are all worshiping money. They are all worshiping idolatry. And so, as Isaiah comes to know the heart of God, he declares judgment. And so, these prophets—it's not that they didn't love Israel. It's not that they didn't have mercy on Israel. Think about Isaiah and the prophets. They love their nation. Even Habakkuk. What does what do we see? Habakkuk complains to God, saying, "How can you use the wicked to punish the holy ones of Israel?" And yet, in Habakkuk three two, what does it say? It says that Lord, let your justice, let your righteousness stand. But remember mercy. Because he has the love of God, but they cannot stand still when they see the wickedness of Israel. In 2024, as you continue to have fellowship with God, above all else, let us know the heart of God. Not my heart. Not what I want. Not not what benefits me. But let's know the heart of God. That is our prayer. That Lord, let me have a heart after you. Constantly thinking that if it's good to you, it's good, and if it's bad to you, it's bad. No, let's know the Lord. If God is sad, that I am sad. If God is happy, I am happy. Whether what, no matter what happen is happening in your life, this is the kind of prayer we need to be able to pray. Verse ten. Enter into the rock. And hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His Majesty. And so, as it says in Amos one, around BC uh, seven uh, something, um, there is a great earthquake, and in that earthquake, there is that is a uh, 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 judgment. There was an earthquake recently in Japan. Many people died. And so when God comes, when His splendor comes, there will be, at the very least, a Richter scale 9.9 earthquake. And in the, as the millennial kingdom comes to an end, there will be an earthquake in, over the entire world. That's probably going to be 20 ranked 20 on the Richter scale, right? Where everything that man has made with his hands will be turned to dust. And so, in this state, we see is Isaiah sees the fear of man, fear of man as they hide in the rock, hide in the dust. Haggai says something similar. Zechariah says something similar. And so, when man does not recognize the terror of the Lord, it's when they come to this this terrible sight, they will not be able to survive. And so, we must have the fear of the Lord. Always know the fear of the Lord. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is what, as it says in Isaiah 11, is the spirit of reverence. Right. Uh, when Israel saw God come upon Mount Sinai, they were trembling in fear. Even with that closeness, that that intimacy, they were filled with fear. But now this spirit of God is where He dwells within you, and so we must know that fear. It's because you do not know the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you do not know the fear of the Lord. I mean, if you know the fear of the Lord, you would humble yourself. It would not make sense to live with all this wickedness in the midst of the church. 
Fear of the Lord is the greatest blessing of God that you are meeting with God. When you meet with God, you'll be filled with the fear of the Lord. That fear of the Lord brings God's blessing, as it says in Proverbs, right? All the blessings of God is tied with fear of the Lord. Proverbs, Psalms. And so if you lose that fear of the Lord, you have nothing. Why? Because as it says in Isaiah 11, who is the Holy Spirit? It is the spirit of fear, fear of reverence. When I use fear, it can mean reverence, right? So fear of the Lord. And so uh, because they did not know the splendor of his majesty before his judgment, they are filled with terror. And so they enter into the rock and hide in the dust. Let us fear the Lord. Amen. Moving on. And in 2024, the presence of God is going to be renewed in us. And we'll be filled with a new reverence. Amen. God will let you experience a new fear. Especially in worship. It's not just simply enjoying and being pleased and being filled with gracious. But now we need to know the fear of the Lord. Amen. And I know that you know it, but there are some who have not recognized it yet. And now 2024, it's time to know the fear of the Lord. And this fear brings about worship. If you do not have fear, you cannot worship God. If you want to worship God, you need to know the fear of the Lord. Amen? So verse 11. In that day, in that day is the judgment. Right, the haughty looks of men shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted. And so, during Jeroboam the second's reign, northern Israel was so rich. And so, think, look at how terrifying God is. In 30 years, one of the richest countries in history was wiped away. Imagine, imagine America being ruined in 30 years. Can you imagine that? So from the world's perspective, they cannot grasp that. I mean, maybe if a thousand atomic bombs were dropped on America, then maybe. But, but like just randomly? Let's go back to Panama. Stop being Malaysia, okay? <laughs> the Malaysians might be upset when I say that. Actually, Malaysians changed a lot this la- this previous conference. They shout in joy. But anyways, and so it's impossible. But in 30 years, northern Israel was wiped away from the face of the earth. That is the terror of God. If he says it will be gone, it's gone. During Neo-Babylonian Empire, it was the most richest, splendid nation in the world, and yet it was ruined at the word of God. And so the haughty looks of men shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted. And so, see, look, all, all of this is going to happen in 30 years. 
And so it's only then that Israel finally says, oh, but it's too late. So we must recognize the terror of God's word at all times. Amen. This is the same thing as the fear of the Lord. Amen. And so, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And so they will see how great God is. They will see how great that word is. It's in that tribulation, in that judgment, then their life is, then is too late. But being filled with the Spirit of God, recognizing His majesty. Amen? And so in my life, that He alone is great. He alone is majestic. As Paul said in the Philippians, whether I live or die, that Christ is glorified in my body. It just shouldn't just be Paul's confession, but my confession. That in all my life, in everything that I'm doing, God is being lifted up. And in my character, in my being, it's only when God is lifted up that I am lifted up with Him. And so when I serve God alone, when I love God alone, my life flowers into glory. But if you're constantly limiting and trying to move your own ways, then your life cannot flower like this. This is his the principle behind his creation. And so when we lift him alone, it's not because he's selfish. No, but rather, when we lift him alone, we are lifted up with him. We are glorified in him. And so people of God, everything that we do, nothing should go, should stand before God, should be before God. As Paul in Acts, uh, I don't remember exactly where, but, but after he healed the crippled man, many people praise Paul, right? And, and Paul says, no, I am just a man like you. God alone deserves the glory, deserves the worship. And so you really shouldn't enjoy anything that lifts you up before God. Don't let that seep into your character. You should be like Paul. And so that's why Paul can make that confession that whether I live or die, Christ be glorified in me. And so this is the depth that we strive for. Amen. Don't just attend church. Don't just call yourself a Christian. But more intimately, meet with God and in His love, be able to confess truly that you alone are exalted. And so now moving on to verse 12 to 22 and see the judgment of the Lord. And so when he says the day of the Lord, that is judgment, eschatological judgment. And so it's very similar in form, but this is regarding the eschatological um, judgment, the day of the Lord. And so like in Joel or in Zechariah or in the later portions of Isaiah, we see that 
these things are shared in common, that it is a judgment of the apocalypse. So verse 12, For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. So it's very similar to what verse 11 says, yes? And so ultimately, the source of man's judgment is that they lifted themselves up above God. Right? This was happened even from Adam's day. Right? They tried not to be like God, but they tried to be above God. And so even now, every science, every system of the world, they act as if they are above God. That's why they do not acknowledge God. And because they lift themselves above God, they cannot help but be judged. And so no matter how much science may advance, they can never take the place of God. They can act like God, but they can never take the place of God. Verse 13. Against all the cedars of Lebanon lofty and lifted up. Against all the oaks of Bashan. And so remember, what are these cedars of Lebanon? They were used to build the temple of God. They're precious. And yet it's talking about the haughtiness, the arrogance of man. Against all the lofty mountains and against all the uplifted hills. This is judgment against all the scientific systems that deny God. Against all the systems of the world that try to deny God. Look at how arrogant the world is today. They think that they can even control their own sex. Right? I am a man. No, I am a woman. Look at how wicked man has become. And so even just looking at what's going on in the world right now, we can see that there's not much time left, right? How terrifying is the world today? They, they, tr- they do whatever they want to the gender uh, 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 that God has created. God has created two genders. And yet now they say that there's more. There's so more, so much more that it's a spectrum. And there are many reasons why Israel is going through this suffering right now. But Israel is one one of the highest concentrations of homosexuals. There's only one city that fully supports homosexuality, public homosexuality like Tel Aviv. And originally, in the past, it was only confined to the coast, but now it's even in Jerusalem. And so when I went to that conference last year, I could not help but proclaim God's judgment. Now, through this suffering, Israel must be sanctified. Amen? So everything that lifts itself above God. And so against every high tower and against every fortified wall, this is all man's strength. Israel 
All they need is God. They do not need fortifications. They do not need weapons. All they need is God. Without God, they are ruined. It doesn't matter what kind of fortifications they build. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons they store. All they need is the Word of God. And so everything else should be treated like refuse. Amen. Verse 17. We got to hurry up and finish, yes? With judgment, we want to go through quickly, and restoration, we want to go more in depth. Okay, with 2 Corinthians 10, right? That they set themselves against the knowledge of God. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And so everything that stands against God is all being judged. Right? We see in Isaiah chapter 40, I think he said, that all the high things will be made low. Don't think of this as God being selfish, as God being uh, God being self-centered. No, man cannot uh, be separate from God. It's only when He is lifted up that we go enter into glory. And so the perfection of Christianity is when your entire being exalts God. That you cannot think of anything else except exalting God, whether it's in your words, in your works, in every aspect of your life. When you become someone that can exalt Him in your entire being, that is perfection of Christianity. But if your old self is strong within you, you cannot exalt him. You're always going to try to be higher than God. As it says in Psalms 103.1, that let all things within me praise God. This is a confession within the depths of David's prayer. I think it's I think it's Psalms 103. I don't know what's wrong with me today. No, I'm not being attacked right now. I don't know I don't know why it's so hard. Right yes, it's Psalms 103. In Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And so when my when my being is completely encapsulated by the new self, this is the depth of that spirituality. When the old self is completely dead within me, David is experiencing this prophetically inside of him that his entire being, everything within him is lifting up God. This is the perfection of David's spirituality. And the same thing applies to us. When my entire being is exalting God, that means it, primarily I am in God's glory. That in that moment, I am already in glory. And when they pray, 
their prayer it's not moving within their thoughts but the moment they speak in that glory it's being made it's being done like last night as I was praying it's not my thoughts being engaged but just God's glory is leading my words so this is how important it is to exalt God alone it's not just a simple of being humble no in my entire being that there's nothing above God that I have no strength of the flesh and so moving on Verse 19, no. Verse 17. Oh, verse 16. Against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft. So the judgment of God, not only to things that have been brought high, not just Lachish, but also in the boats of Tarshish. And so all of these trading ships from Tarshish, from Spain, came. And so lots of luxury started entering into Israel at that time. And then so later, after verse 17, we see, right, um, uh, uh, talking about the, the, the things that they've done for themselves, right? Um, and so in Revelations 18 we see Babylon right? the, the political Babylon is ruined and what happens is that the ships of all the merchants get stranded right we see in Revelations 18 and so even right now when I was at the conference in Panama I said that the canal the Panama Canal is going to be ruined and commerce is going to enter into hardship and as this commerce is ruined what's going to happen what countries can survive it's the countries that have natural resources and so look at how clear it is what kind of business we need to invest in right in food supply agriculture and in in, in natural resources and we don't have to invest for the long term but only three and a half years only needs to provide for three and a half years and so all the ships of Tarshish are under God's wrath and this is uh, the prophecy of Revelations 18 and in 2 Corinthians what did Paul say? that the things of this world will, will vanish like a vapor and so the wealth of Babylon the prosperity of Babylon stop choosing a life that allows these things to carry weight in your life for example oh I'm going to die if I don't have a washing machine no in my day and age we all washed our clothes with our hands. And 
So even when I had my firstborn, you know, we didn't use disposable diapers, but we used reusable diapers. And so we should not get too acclimated. Don't habitualize and rely on the digital world. When I was in Africa, I, I, I think that I have to go to Africa every now and then because when I go to Africa, I found such discomfort, right? As I'm, as I'm wash, as I'm taking a shower, all of a sudden the water stops. Uh, as I'm charging my phone, all of a sudden the electricity goes out. And so from Babylon's perspective, it's impossible to live in Africa. And yet when I was there, I realized I can survive here. I can live here. There's one thing though, is please Lord, don't let the water go out when I wash, at least, at the very least. Because let's say electricity was to, was to break forth, then I would get shocked in that water. What am I trying to say, my brothers? What attitude should you have to the world? The world acts as if you need all of these things. But as children of God, we should not let those things define us. We should not let those things be more precious than God. That, oh, I cannot survive without my cell phone? No, that's wrong. There should be nothing in this world that you need apart from God. Oh, I cannot live without money? No, no. All we need is God. Because our survival is in God's hands. God says, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. So all of these things, we need to continually choose. That. All I need is God. Oh, I need this. I need that. Oh, without a washing machine. Oh, without a without this, without that. And honestly, I am in Babylon as well. And yet in my life, look at my principle. That I always try to not choose what the world wants. That if I don't have, I just don't have. And of course, I do use cell phone. I do take medicine. But that's not where my life is dependent upon. And so the same thing to you. Don't let the demands of Babylon define you. Don't let what Babylon desires become part of you. And so from this perspective, I want you guys all to go experience Africa. Go out to Africa. This is really important. I'm not saying purposely deny these things. No, but as you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will continually set you apart from these things. And as I always say, spirituality is about analog, not digital. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't like the digital things. For example, right, when I use the Bible as an example, when I read the Bible, 
I do not. I do not use electronic um, resources to to help me find things. Right? If I if I think of a passage, then I read everything until I find that passage. And so this is kind of like my principle that I do not live by the methods of Babylon. I live. Analog, and so in this way, I'm not rejecting the world, but rather I'm purposefully moving step by step with the Holy Spirit. Even prayer. Look at this. If you live in digital, your prayer becomes digital. In in what ways is like this? God hi, God hi. Okay, I say hi. You say hi. Okay, hi. <laughs> And so another example in prayer is like, you know, I could just, I always at least say your name, each and every single one of your names, but I could just pray your church and yet, no, purposefully, I take the time. And this isn't from the perspective of like, I'm denying Babylon. No, that's not my primary movement. First thing is being closer to God. So my first part of training was whether I had money or not, it didn't matter. Whether I had people with me or not, it didn't matter. All I need is God. And this must be part of your character. And so there's one aspect where we grew during the coronavirus, but there's, but there's one thing that does not get broken. What? It's delivery, right? All you need to do is crop, uh, um, uh, order online and everything shows up at your door. And this becomes part of your life, so natural in your life, to the point where you must have it. We need to always, at all times, be ready to 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 escape the the systems of Babylon. So listen carefully. Isn't this blessing you? This is blessing you. Amen. And honestly, I know that this doesn't bless you, but but uh, we must hear these words. Amen. Verse 17. And so look, I say once again, it's not purposely trying to set, set, separate from Babylon. No, but when you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads you such that that you do not rely on anything except for God. If you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it will not characterize this digital lifestyle in you. Especially your cell phones. So either turn it off or it's not in your hand. So for a while, it's not even close to me. And so keep receiving the anointing and receiving revelation. Oh, maybe I'll meet with someone like this or maybe I will have to do this. But if you're always holding on to your cell phone, that's not going to happen. People will call you whether you want them or not. You'll constantly find new information and there's always new information. And so what you need to understand is that this, these are the things that deny the Holy Spirit in your life. When I was in America, at that time, uh, I first came across 
artificial intelligence. And at that time, my major was computers. And so it's a miracle that I don't know how to use computers today. Artificial brain. No, intelligence. Artificial intelligence. What is AI? Artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> He said artificial brain. <laughs> and, so, and so I I went to America to study computers. And when I So right now he's boasting that, that when he went to study in America during that time, not just anyone could go to America. Um, like, and there would be a list of all the students who went to America to study. So they would be the most eligible bachelor. And so, you know, you, you know those um, matchmakers. You, you guys know matchmakers, right? Matchmakers would have my name. And, and so when I came back to Korea, there'd be women lining up, waiting to get married to me. <laughs> so, so listen carefully. I didn't purposely uh, put computers far away from me. No, it just happened naturally as I lived with the Holy Spirit. And so as I was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes within me such that, that I am not filled with the things of Babylon. And so brothers, young adults, listen carefully. Even without your cell phones, it may be uncomfortable, but it's okay. You will survive. But many kids these days, if you take away their cell phones, they'll be filled with depression. How scary is that? How terrifying is that? Right? This has no character. And yet, man, you can pour in a personality into an inanimate object. You know what's amazing is, is that with pets, right? Pets. They use so much money on dogs and they pour out all this investment, all this love into dogs. Dogs are not a human. And yet when you love a dog as if a human, a demon enters into that dog and is filled with the spirit of immorality. That is the danger of these kinds of pets. And so listen carefully, no matter what, don't let Babylon become part of your character. Cell phones, this is a very dangerous thing. Even without it, though it may be uncomfortable, you will survive. That's, and you need to thrive. That's, that's the kind of confidence that you need to have. So don't let Babylon become part of your character. I say again, I didn't, I'm not saying purposely cut yourself off from Babylon. No, when you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads your character to reject those things. So you can use your cell phones. I, I'm not saying get rid of your cell phones, but... 
If you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will already be wary against that cell phone of taking over your life. And so you just do exactly what you need to do because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And even then, I'm still using my cell phone maybe an hour, two hours a day of screen time. That means that the average person is using six, seven hours a day. So when you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will automatically lift up barricades against darkness, even with what you see. Back in the day, let's say for example, Okay, because my wife is here, I don't want to use this example. This is a bad example. So never mind, moving on. <laughs> okay, when I was an unbeliever, for example, when I went to America, I, got, I arrived in Arizona. And as I'm driving, you would see the lights of Las Vegas. And I wasn't going towards Las Vegas, but all of a sudden, I just automatically drifted towards them. My goal wasn't Las Vegas, but I went to Las Vegas. If I had a sword, I would have cut off my hands, but I ended up going to Las Vegas. And so it's like this. You're unable to respond to darkness. You're unable to stop against darkness. And so there's many of you who unconsciously just absorb all the things of Babylon from your cell phone. And in that cell phone, more than 250 kinds of spirits are moving through those cell phones. So really... Awaken to this fact, brothers. And honestly, I could speak on end regarding this. So the important thing is to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not compromise with allowing you to drift towards Babylon. And even your relationship with people. If you are intimate with God first, then you will, your Holy Spirit will not let you be deeper with people first before God. You know, women, we love to gossip, right? We love to talk. We love to talk about things. Honestly, the Holy Spirit is not pleased. If you become more closer with someone rather than God, this is terrifying. Everything must be in the light of God. But if you're just speaking with people and just, and just being intimate with people, that's wrong too. And this is a sensitive topic. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't understand what I'm talking about. And so, what's the most important thing is be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will move you to be someone that pleases God. And this confession will continually rise up within you. And in that holy current, you will meet with people. You will engage with the world. And because God's reign is inside of you, and everything that you do is moving in respect to uh, the kingdom of heaven. And, and so all these possibilities to Babylon is closed. And this is not a difficult thing. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
As you live with the Holy Spirit for a long time, long time, the Holy Spirit will lead you. It's not about your effort. It's not your effort. If you're just filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know. Ah, Babylon is trying to interlope with me, and the Holy Spirit hates this. Just remember that, uh, as I said, the Trinity, they are one, but they have their own characteristic. And so the Holy Spirit is like this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit that, that, that convicts you of what's going on inside of you. He will not stay still when darkness um, contaminates you. He can be sad, he can be happy, he can be pleased, he can be distressed, he could be upset. And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll understand what I'm talking about. You will recognize the characteristic of the Holy Spirit within the Trinity. And so you need to know, you need to know what pains the Holy Spirit. Ah, this pains the Holy Spirit. Ah, this tortures the Holy Spirit. Ah, the Holy Spirit is upset. Jesus never gets upset. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross for you. But the Holy Spirit is different. He's, he gets upset easily, like a little child. And so many times I'm like a little child to you, right? Even though I'm close to 70 years old, I seem like a child, right? As you live with the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. I'll never wear anything like this again to, to this altar. It's too hot. <laughs> Verse 19. Verse 18. And the idols shall utterly pass away. And what is idols? Idols is anything that is above God, and that is all going to be judged. Verse 19. And people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground. Same prophecy as Haggai and Zechariah. And so this is the uh, earthquake that will happen at the end of times. This a great earthquake where it brings everything high, low. And, and in Daniel also we see that when the Lord comes, the millennial kingdom doesn't begin right away, but about 40 days, there's a term between this, this finishing of the Armageddon battle. And at the end of that Armageddon battle, there's another earthquake. As it says in uh, Revelation 17, Babylon gets split into three ways. What does that mean? That means Babylon being turned into dust. During that time, where will we, we be? Where will we be? We will be up in the heavens. But the world will be turned to dust. And that's the situation that's going on right now. That people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty when He rises to terrify the earth. How terrifying will this moment be if we are still in the flesh? We are going to be in the resurrection body, amen? And so being in the resurrection body, 
And being ready for the new Jerusalem, amen? If we are in this time in the flesh, that is tragedy. There will be a terror and horror that it goes beyond any imagination. And so how grateful are we that we have come to know Christ? Amen? So moving on. Verse 20, In that day mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship. And so in this judgment of God, as everything is being turned to dust, all that they can do is run away. So they run away to the, to the caverns and understanding that their idols are of no use. The money that they relied on, the systems of Babylon that they relied on, none of it is of use that only those who rely on God will stand in this day. Amen? Verse 21. To enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty when He rises to terrify the earth. Again, this is continually being repeated. The words of Haggai and Zechariah. That, that there is no where to run for those who are standing before the wrath of God. The mo- he's not going to come as a humble child that time he's going to be the king of all kings and so for us who know God this is glory but this will be such terror to those who do not know him and so when you believe in this apocalypse you really will work hard to, or not work hard, you will really pray for salvation of your families, of your non-believing families. Because you do not want them to face this tragedy, do you? So we're almost finished, verse 22. So stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? So there's nothing that we should rely except on God, amen? So what does it mean don't rely on people? That doesn't mean to mock them and to treat them as dirt. No. Rather, it's when we rely on God that we can love man. Man is to, we are to love men, not rely on men. If you rely on men, you cannot live. We must, we must rely on God alone and love men. Why should we not rely on men? Because they are men when, whose nostrils is breath. For what of count is he? If you block the nostrils of a man for just five minutes, he will die, right? So do not rely on something so weak as man. We are to love men, not rely on men. And so let's end here today. So tomorrow we'll do chapter 3 to verse 4, to chapter 4, verse 6. And then the next day we'll do chapter 5. Okay, and thank you for listening to the very end. Okay, let us pray. And of course, there is this changing in the creation. But many astrologists are amazed right now. 
Because there are many changes that are happening in the universe that they've never been able to see before. And honestly, I don't know why the rest of the science community doesn't find the same thing. But right now, the universe testifies that the Lord is returning. And this is the day of joy for us, yes? We do not need to worry or be afraid. And so as we look until throughout Isaiah, this kingdom of God, from the perspective of Israel, It's not just looking at it from the perspective of Israel, but rather looking at the relationship of Israel to the entire world, to the entire universe, right? And so the the heavens are folded up like a scroll, are sprawled out. And so, you know, God, who is not just God of Israel, Though Israel is the center of creation, but God is, is, is God of the universe. And so, ah, And so, at this universe, creation, I'm not trying to speak of it. Just to bring it up, but rather when we know the essence of the church, we understand the relationship of all this. So even now, I talk about this climate change. It's not because there's so many men that are that are farting. No, rather, it's not just simply within this earth that this transformation is happening, but rather universe, there are changes in the universe that is bringing about this climate change. If, it, if only our farts would cause this change, then God is not alive. There is no God. Now, I'm not saying treat nature however you want. No, what I'm saying is is that this climate change itself is evidence of Jesus' return, not rather something that man is at fault for. Now, of course, it is God's judgment towards the wickedness of man. But in the past 6,000 years of history, God has continually reigned over the world. And there has never been these kinds of natural disasters before. In recorded history, there are things that the world is doing for the first time. And so the creation groans, yes? And so we keep speaking of the apocalypse, of the end times. So don't just know it as a theory. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you, as you're sensitive to the spiritual things, you'll see the truth of these things. You'll see that there's great change happening in the universe. Right? When this unshakable kingdom is coming, it will shake everything that can, that can be shaken. And so the universe recognizes this. It's only mankind in their wickedness cannot recognize it. And even in the spiritual realm. There has never been a time in the history of man where the devils have moved so actively. 
then what about angels? All the angels within this universe, there's never been a time where they've been more active. And the numbers of angels are continually multiplying. Even in Jesus' incarnation, there was many angels that heralded his coming. How much more when he returns as the king? How much more active would these angels be? Only the dead church does not recognize it. But living remnant who are filled with God's life are starting to see this. And so we, we do not think, think of this abstract, right? It's not abstract to us. And so don't waste your energy to Babylon. Every minute, every second is, is expanding the spiritual realm. It's very urgent. But this should not be fear, but rather great anticipation and expectation and yearning and excitement and wonder that this glory is coming. Amen? When one country's president makes a courtesy visit, then already months before, they are preparing, preparing for that president and scheduling every, uh, rehearsing everything what's going to happen, right? Right, every turn, every thing that's going to happen when presidents meet together, right, where they already, um, um, they're already negotiating what, how to interact even, right, like what presidents like, what that president may not like, what that president finds acceptable to talk about, right, it's all, it's all negotiated beforehand. Ah, oh, true. And so look, who's coming here? The king of all kings. It is time for his return. Then the remnant, are they just going to live however they please? No. Always prepared in holiness. Preparing in God's predestination. And these spiritual beings, as they look to his return, they will move in, in, in preparing for him. And so angels, angels, the universe is shaking. And many scientists are finding weird things right now. What's going on? Why is the universe changing like this? There is great energy being released into the universe that could destroy this world thousand times over. And that energy is approaching. I, I saw it in the news somewhere. Just, I, just, I was just glancing at it in the past. But I could feel it already spiritually that this world, uh, that the universe is moving. So rejoice, remnant. Rejoice as this countdown has officially begun. We are preparing for the Lord's return. 
And so soon, Yerbang Church, you will no longer need to fast. You will no longer need to intercede 24 hours a day. Hallelujah. How exciting. Amen. Before the glory of the Lord, we will stand before Him face to face. Oh, the Lord whom I love. I've been running these past 33 years to see you face to face. So how excited would I be that soon we will see him face to face. Let us pray. Lord, yes, Lord, this is the season that is upon us. We do not just want to live life as Babylon demands us, being bound by Babylon, being bound in that foolishness. But no, Lord, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us live in the Holy Spirit. Let nothing rise up, set itself above God in my life. May all of those things be brought to the obedience of God. May you alone be exalted and may I be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. May my spirit open wide to you so that I may prepare, prepare for that parusha glory of when you return. For the past 25 years, Lord, Yoban Church has been preparing for this amazing season. And now officially in 2024, as we enter into this countdown, as the entire universe, as all creation moves, moves actively. Lord, may we also move. May we also move. Awaken us, Lord. Prepare us for your glory. Prepare the oil. Prepare the oil. You are the light. You are the light.